With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are headed to the Bay Area of San Francisco to speak with Michael McTigg. Michael is an author, and his latest book is called Don't Kill Yourself Yet. Unleash the seven life hacks to crush anxiety and anxiety now about his personal experience with his mental health. So, Michael, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much, Lucia. I'm thrilled to be with you today. I'm super happy, Michael. You have no idea. We're going to have a good time. Yes. So, Michael, the RV is known for loving to travel. I heard you have hitchhiked for over 20,000 miles. So, can you tell us the story behind yes. that? That's true, Lucy. I, was, I grew up on the East Coast of the U.S. a um, long time ago, back when it was probably safer to hitchhike. And I, um, as a young man, I hitchhiked of many different places. The, one of the first places I hitchhiked when I was in high school was to the famous Woodstock concert up in New York. Um, and then I, a friend of mine, when I went to UCLA, a friend of mine and I drove a woman's Catalina, a big Pontiac with a UV uh, hauler on the back of it. I mean, a U-Haul on the back of it. And we drove it across country for her to Pittsburgh. And then we hitchhiked up the East Coast to Niagara Falls and across Canada and then back down the West Coast to Los Angeles. So that was about an 8,000-mile trip all in. Wow. And I hitchhiked across uh, Australia, uh, New Zealand, through many places in Europe. So I just used to – I was very confident back in those days that I could safely get from one place to another using my thumb. It looks like you were a free spirit. Yes, I think that was the, I was also on a very low budget, so that helped quite a bit. Mm -hmm. If the RV had driven by you at the time, we definitely would have given you a ride, Michael. <laughs> We'd probably still be together, Lucia. That would have been a wonderful day for me. That would have been the realization of my dream to be picked up by a beautiful woman in a camper van. <laughs> I absolutely thank you. Thank you very much. I would love maybe I still can give you a ride when I go to California. <laughs> I and, can't wait. Yeah, and Michael, you have had quite a varied career, including being a PGA golf professional and a court designed child advocate. You were also a suicide hotline counselor. How did you get into that role and what was the training like? 
let's see which one the, the golf professional the child advocate or the suicide hotline counselor <laughs> they were all different they all had a lot of training but they were all different maybe about the suicide hotline yes so the suicide hotline is a more recent endeavor for me just a few years ago after i retired I've been really concerned about the, the rising depression and anxiety in our country, maybe around the world, but definitely in our country, especially among younger people. And I was uh, wanting to help some way. So the, the two ways I decided so far to, to try to help was one, to write this book and two, uh, to become a hotline suicide prevention and crisis prevention uh, hotline counselor. That is a phone, as you probably know, there's a, now there's a nationwide number, but when somebody calls the nationwide number, the call gets then routed to some local group that, that takes the call. And they usually uh, the, at the San Mateo office, which is serving the Bay Area, there's, there's just one or two counselors working the phone at any given time and for you know 24 hours a day that number is is live so the training for that was um in the evenings you would be three or four hour blocks for um i don't know maybe a dozen sessions i think we had 60 hours of training and all to be able to handle those phones and then the next step would be to sit and observe i don't know eight hours of calls where uh, a trained uh, certified counselor was already working the phones and I would just listen in. Then I would do a few calls with them listening in to me. And then finally I'd be, I'd be allowed to uh, work on my own. It's a lot of training. And I have to tell you, thank you for the important work that you did, Michael. It takes a lot of compassion and courage to help people in crisis. Yes, and it's um, the one of the differences between the book and the work in the hotline is the, the goal of the hotline counselor is very specific that the person is in crisis in the moment, and our goal is to try to keep them safe for now to get them to have this moment subside and pass so that whatever that emotion that's overwhelming them and wanting them to take their own life will subside, and then you can try to find a safe space to to direct them to, like to a loved one or to some local services that might be available. My book, by on the other hand, is really directed for people who are chronically depressed and anxious and miserable and just have trouble getting through the day every day. And the thought of suicide is always nearby. It's this constant thing that dogs them. It's, it's not the crisis of the moment where I've got to do it right now. It's like, oh, I hate living and I, I don't want to go. Away. I, I just hate being here. I don't belong here. This, I'm in the wrong, on the wrong planet. That sort of feeling that, that just dogs some people constantly. So that was it's a, not something you could really do on the, on the suicide hotline, unfortunately, mm -hmm. is help, help those people. Yeah, I understand. And... Uh... Let's talk about this book. So, okay. Michael, the title of your book is Don't Kill Yourself Yet. I'm yes. curious to know why you chose this title. Yeah, so, and so I'm glad you asked that question because it is, it's uh, always brought up and some people really are offended by it or they think I might be triggering people. And I thought about it a long time and 
Uh, I'll tell you a quick story that mm-hmm. made me feel better about the title was I got an email after the book had been out for maybe a year and I, uh, it's been out for almost three years now. I got an email out of the blue that came in from a young fellow named Jose Alberto and he was writing me an email to say he, my book saved his life. And he found the book when he was shopping at a thrift store for some used clothes that he was going to wear to his own suicide. He was a teenager. And he said, I wanted to put on, I was always a, a classy dresser and I wanted to put on some, some torn up clothes so that my friends, when they found me, they would comment on that. And at the thrift store, there was in my book. And he said, the title really hit me. Don't kill yourself yet. He said, so I bought the book and I read it and it saved my life. So that kind of justified that for that one person, that title was a good title. So the, the reason I picked it, Lucia, was that uh, I feel that the people that I'm trying to address here are so demoralized that they probably don't even want to read a book. You know, they don't have the energy to read a book. And I wanted to sort of shake them up with the title. That, that was really the essence of it. It's, it's devoted to these people primarily. And I just wanted to reach out from the book and grab them by the shirt and say, don't kill yourself. And I, I had to put yet in there because mm-hmm. there's also resistance. And I say, don't kill yourself. You can't tell me what to do. I can kill myself anytime I want. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, don't kill yourself yet. Give the seven life hacks a chance to help you. And Michael, can you tell us a little bit about your book and these seven hacks? Yes. Thank you, Lucia. So we are, when I say we, I mean, I have uh, one of my daughters is helping me promote the book on, on social media. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. We're now calling it the seven life force hacks because the entire concept is based around the concept of life force and using your own feeling of life force in the present moment to help guide you. And it can take you if you if you take someone who's extremely depressed or anxious, their life force is, is either very low. And by life force, of course, I mean like prana or chi or ki or just the feeling of aliveness and energy you have to approach life and to cope with the challenges of life and to achieve goals. And it's the energy that you're so filled with, Lucia, to do all these things that you're doing. And a person who's who's chronically depressed, it has has very little life force. And a person who's chronically full of anxiety, their life force is, is completely discombobulated and they can't really focus it on their dreams. They're focused on their fears. So um, what what's interesting about the seven life force hacks is that it, it helps the person realize in the present moment how everything is affecting their sense of life force. And the first hack, as an example, is called the micro slash hack. And it, it helps the person realize that the incredible power that thoughts have on their on our life force in the real moment. So if you if you have a thought that occurs to you, like let's say I get up in the mirror and I look and I go, oh, I look old today. Well, just that thought had a little emotional reaction that my life force ticks down. And if I thought, oh, my, that exercise is making me, you know, more muscular, I say, oh, my life force ticked up. This goes on 
really 24 hours of terror. I don't know if while we're asleep, you know it, but certainly during our waking hours, this goes on continually, right? Mm -hmm. Have you had that sort of sensation of thoughts that feel like your life force ticks down a little bit or ticks up a little bit? Yeah, it's okay. It's a very, it's a, that's what we call it the micro slash because if you have a thought that hurts, it only hurts a tiny little bit. It's yeah. not really almost not noticeable. But if you're having in the people who are having, you know, suicidal ideation or having this chronic rain storm of negative thoughts, if they go on 24 hours or 18 hours a day, pretty soon their life force is, is severely diminished. So that's the, the theory. It's that simple uh, that there's not a lot of emotion processing required to get somebody out of chronic depression so much as it has, is to focus in the present moment on what actually is hurting your feeling of your sense of life force in each moment. So there's sort of, I have four areas in the book. First is your own thought. The second is the people in your life, some of whom may be damaging your life force by the things they say or the things they try to get you to do. The third is what I call the daily grind, which is what you do to maintain your position in life, your job, you know, your, your housing relationship, your family relationship, your bills, all the things that make up so-called daily grind. And the fourth is your relationship with your body, which is very important. It's critical to, to getting out of depression is to, is to become the chief body officer and take control over your relationship with your body. So in the seven life force hacks, the first four deal with cleaning up the thoughts and making, getting control of thoughts so that your thoughts, you control your to the point where you increase your life force with your thoughts instead of diminish it. And that's, that's a big challenge. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. And Michael, you studied psychology at UCLA, but you didn't become a psychologist. So how did you come to write your book if you weren't a professional psychologist? That is an interesting question. And I never trained to be a therapist. I decided uh, well, during the major that I didn't want to spend a career as a psychotherapist. So but I was always interested in the concept of mental health. And I went through a period in my 40s where I became chronically depressed. I would say I had two kids and started a business all in the same 
in the same time frame and the business ultimately failed after seven years and I was just burned out and exhausted and I'd say overwhelmed at the time. And I had always also had an interest besides mental health and metaphysics. And I, you know, studied the questions, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? These things were always in my mind. And I, I couldn't believe that a person could go through life chronically depressed and feeling beaten down. And I, I was really driven to try to find a way out that didn't involve medications. Mm-hmm. And because it, it didn't make sense to me that we should have to be medicated just to go through life. So I read countless books, self-help books on, you know, how to beat the blues type of thing, or 10 simple solutions to ending worry or come to your senses, you know, and also people like Eckhart Tolle and Neil Donald Walsh and Abraham Hicks, anything I could get my hands on really to learn to overcome these chronic negative uh, thoughts and feelings. So after I did that, I kind of took me, I would say, five years at least of studying these things to try to develop my own sort of approach. And it's a little bit, it's a hodgepodge of other people's ideas and some ideas of my own that I, it became a very simple system that I thought, you know, anybody could apply this, even if their life force is so low, they can barely get out of bed. They can start with some of these ideas. Mm-hmm. Did I answer your question? Yes, you answered okay. my question. And Michael, if someone we know is in crisis, what are some steps we can take to provide support and help them assess resources, including hotlines like the one you worked for? The best idea for helping someone in crisis is to hear them out and not give advice. It, you can ask questions to try to guide them in a certain direction, but advice is usually rejected anyway when you try to give somebody who's who's stuck in a very negative thought loop where they're saying, Everything is hopeless. Nobody loves me. I don't have any friends. I'm, I should never have been born. I'm a total loser. And if you say, no, you're really great. We love you. Then no, you're fine. It tends to generate resistance. So I think that the best thing that an individual can do in the moment to help someone in crisis is to listen carefully and ask questions and maybe try to lead them into a slightly different point of view and just say, I really care about you. And that's that sometimes that one phrase can be really helpful to somebody to know that there's somebody on their side in the moment. And suicide can be a very complex issue. And I believe that validate their feelings and let them know that you are, that you hear them. It's important. Do you agree, Michael? I definitely do. I think that um, sometimes, you know, people would call it on the hotline and they would be hyperventilating and crying and yelling and screaming and, you know, totally upset and uh, falling apart. And we would just try to help them breathe and take a few slow breaths and, you know, say, I'm here for you. And I want to know what's going on with you and I care about you and tell me tell me what's happening right now in your in your surroundings and in your mind and heart 
tell me what's happening with you. And just to have somebody who cared enough to listen sometimes would really help the person, you know, gain control of their wild emotions. Yes, totally, Michael. What do you want your book to teach or show your readers? Yes. So thanks so much for asking that question. The book, as I mentioned earlier, is dedicated and devoted to a very specific audience, which are people who are chronically depressed and anxious and are fighting against suicidal thoughts. It's a it's not really a self-help book for everybody. Somebody who's doing pretty well in life and wants to tweak their well-being, you know, they should go to a Tony Robbins um, event or read one of his books. This is not the book for them. So I want the person who is chronically depressed and anxious to realize that it's not really that complicated to overcome their situation if they are willing to entertain some a little bit zany ideas that I present in the book, a little bit crazy ideas and not be in a sort of yes, but mentality. Yes, but yes, but no, I, I can't take that advice. Yes, but if they say, okay, I'll try a few things that I haven't done before. And maybe I can get myself out of this mess because it has been done before. Michael's done it to himself, helped other people do it. So, okay, I'm open to trying a few just a few very simple things, but with um, persistence. And as an example, the first thing I ask the, the person to do is just be aware. The hack one, the micro slash hack just says, be aware of every time you have a thought that hurts you. Just count them or just, just tick them off. There's one, there's one, there's one. And don't try to do anything about them. And after a while, it becomes sort of automatic to realize, oh, that thought just hurt. Somebody who's not depressed is like, what is he even talking about? But somebody who is depressed chronically gets to realize, oh, yeah, I'm getting that all day long. Every thought is telling me that I can't win, that I failed, that I let people down, that nobody loves me. Whatever they are, they all hurt. So hack one is to specifically just say, okay, I saw that. And that, that unleashes the next three hacks because hack two is to realize that, hey, your thoughts are coming into your head from God knows where. And you didn't particularly ask to be on the channel you're on right now where all the thoughts that come in are, are hurtful and painful, right? You'd rather be on a channel where most of the thoughts that come in are uplifting. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're on the wrong channel of thoughts and you have these chronic, you know, suicidal thoughts and painful thoughts, the first thing to do is start to reject them. And I call that, that's hack number two. I call it bitch slap the beast, which is you pretend that you, these thoughts where you don't know where they're coming from are being fed to you by a nasty beast. And you're just going to bat them away one after the other, regardless of the contents. So instead of saying, oh, I'm a total loser and say, yeah, I feel bad about that. You go, hey, I didn't ask you to say that. Who said that? Who said I'm a loser, right? Mm -hmm. Who sent that thought in? I, I reject it. And so that's the second hack is to start rejecting every thought that hurts you when it lands. And it, it's all in the present tense. There's no analyzing, am I a loser? Am I not a loser? No, you're just saying if the thought hurts you when it lands, you have to bitch slap it. Have you ever heard anything like that before? No, and this book is great because 
is based on your experience and also because it's like a friend talking with you is the feeling I'm having now. Thank you. Yes. And that, that was partly the goal of the book is to be for me to be in conversation with the person who's suffering. And that's why it's it's somewhat lighthearted. It's irreverent. And it has a lot of anecdotes or examples of people in, in challenging situations and how they should deal with them, especially in the second part of the book where we talk about dealing with other people and, and how to deal with people who, who have the same effect as negative thoughts. You're, you're with them and they say things and you go, ouch, ouch, ouch. You can feel your life force going down because that person is hurting you. And in, in the past, most, as you know, maybe most depressed people are very nice people. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's like people who are, are nasty tend to not be depressed because they're, <laughs> they're spewing on other people. But the nice people are taking the, taking the emotional hits and the life force is ticking down. So everything in the seven life hacks is about what to do in the present moment and not get caught into a lot of processing or analysis or uh, dealing with, uh, you know, emotional baggage and trying to understand why the relationship with your spouse failed. Or We don't do any of that. It's all in the present moment. So it's a little bit of be here now with a bit of bitch slapping. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about something you were telling some minutes ago. Usually we don't realize if someone is depressed. I don't know. Sometimes it's such a surprise to know that yeah. someone is depressed because it's not always obvious. Yes, it's sometimes it's shocking that somebody because that those particular individuals are trying so hard to not upset anybody else that they are basically hiding their true feelings because they're thinking, oh, if, if people know how depressed I am. They won't like me or they'll reject me or stay away from me. So I have to put it on a happy face. And then but that that putting on a, a happy face also diminishes their life force. So they get more and more pressed. Yeah, unfortunately. And Michael, would you like to leave a message to our listeners today? Yes, I would. Well, I did thank you for asking that question because um, I didn't mention that. One of the issues that I, I encountered in dealing with trying to help these people who are whose life forces so low they can barely get through the day is they don't really like to read a book, especially younger people who have grown up on digital media and they prefer either audio books or uh, video. You know, they're in, in so in small doses like TikTok or or shorts, that type of thing. So. I took the contents of the audio book of Don't Kill Yourself Yet and turned it into a video book, which is a kind of a unique endeavor. And it's now posted on YouTube under the at seven life force hacks. And it's, it took the 13 chapters of the video book, uh, the audio book and broke it into 81 2D animations ranging from maybe a minute and a half to four minutes long. So they can be in small digestible chunks and people can watch the video instead of having to read the book. Actually, I watched some of your videos and also your Instagram. 
and they are great. They are very well done. Congratulations. And it's such a good material you were offering online. And Michael, please let us know where we can find you, you and your book. Yes, I think the, the easiest way is to search. Uh, if you're interested in the book, which would be a paperback, an ebook, or an audio book, that's on Amazon. If you just search Don't Kill Yourself Yet, that will come up. And on uh, social media, if you type seven life force hacks on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, you will find the audio book and the video book. I mean. Sounds great, Michael. And again, thank you for the work you've been doing because we're still helping people. And my dear listeners, Michael's article is featured in the Relatable Voice magazine in March. So just check out www.relatable-media.com and you'll be able to see the book cover, Michael's headshot, his socials, and of course, to read a little bit more about him. So I loved our conversation and I wish you can come back to San Francisco. I can't wait for you to pick me up in your van when you come to San Francisco. And I'm so appreciative that you gave me a chance to help share these ideas. Of course, Michael. Yes, definitely. I will give you a ride in San Francisco in person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Lucia. Thank you again for everything. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.